2: Jaden Daniels. Game changer.
4: That was Dan Quinn earlier today on the Junkies. He was playing word association. All right, so, you know, a name mentioned, and then he gives a one-word answer, and that was his answer to Jaden Daniels saying game changer. You'll hear his one-word answers for Terry McLaurin, Sam Howell, Caleb Williams, and Drake May coming up. Uh, good morning, everybody. That was a really good idea um, on uh, a way to get some really interesting uh, without the ability to really think about it, answers from the head coach. It was very well done by the guys, too, because they asked him, and we'll play it for you coming up here shortly. They asked him if he was open to playing sort of the, this word association game, but they didn't give him a chance to say no. They just immediately plowed forward before he even had a chance to answer whether or not he was interested in playing the game. Uh, He was already playing it. So that was some really good stuff with the head coach, and I will play it back for you. Uh, shortly. Uh, Two guests on the show today, and actually one of them is not really a guest. He is a host on this station. Craig Hoffman is out at the Indy Combine. He will join us at 1035. And then Jared Dubin uh, from CBS Sports will join us at 11. He covers the league, um, and he is in Indy uh, as well. How about this breaking news this morning? No longer will the stadium in Landover be referred to as FedEx Field? FedEx has ended its naming rights agreement with the team two years prior to a 25-year deal coming to an end. Or actually, I think it's a 27-year deal, uh, technically, because they... Paid $205 million for the naming rights in 1999 uh, when Fred Smith also became a minority shareholder uh, in the team. And they uh, had a, I guess it was set to expire in 2026, but they had the ability to dump out two years early, and they did. Apparently, according to the Post story, this surprised the team a little bit. Uh, It leaves them roughly $15 million uh, short of the revenues that they would have collected from FedEx for the last two years of the naming rights deal, but now puts them into position to go after a new uh, naming rights deal. But no longer will it be FedEx Field. Uh, It won't revert to Jack Kent Cooke Stadium in Raujon either. Uh, Stay tuned on that. Um, But starting in 2024, no longer will that dump be named FedEx Field. You know, uh, Fred Smith, one of the great entrepreneurs of, you know, the 20th century, for sure, in terms of his creation of Federal Express. Uh, He really has been a big part of the last few years uh, in all that went down starting in 2020. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that, if not Federal Express, um, that wouldn't have been anybody else because a lot of things were getting swept up In the wake of the summer of 2020. Um, But FedEx was the first to step forward and say, no longer can we support, uh, can we sponsor this team as long as it keeps its name. And that was the beginning of the end of the name because, yeah, there were others that jumped in to the fray, but it was Fred Smith who was not kept up to date on. Uh, the ownership stake that he had. They didn't get paid dividends. Dan pissed off all of his minority shareholders. And Fred had had enough of, of Dan. Uh, and he went scorched earth on Dan. And it, inclu- it it included him being the first in taking down the team's name. Again, it may have been swept up in the summer of 2020, in the wake of the summer of 2020, with a lot of other things that were going on uh, during that period of time. Um, But Fred Smith was the initiator of that. No longer FedEx Field starting in 2024. Um, I've got a couple of tweets to read to you. Uh, This from Chuck. Kevin, I'm coachable, as you say. I went and watched Daniels' highlights, as in Jaden Daniels. OMG! The most exciting highlights I've ever seen from a quarterback. I didn't watch LSU this year, and now I know why you and Denton have been pumping him up so much. If he's got the intangibles, it's easy for me at number two, Jaden Daniels. Um, This from Jeff. Jeff writes, and yeah, I I had mentioned, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, if you don't know anything about the quarterbacks, the easiest thing to do is just go watch the highlights. They're right there on YouTube, typically, you know, bundled into a seven, eight, nine minute, you know, reel. Um, The games are available if you want to watch them as well, lots of times via YouTube, you know, the condensed version. Uh, But his highlight reel is for that position. As I've referred to it, if you ever saw Reggie Bush's high school football uh, tape before he went to USC, it's like one of the legendary high school careers and some of the runs, some of the plays he made. uh, Yeah, I don't think in terms of just a highlight reel, pure highlight reel, we've seen anything like Jaden Daniels um, in recent memory. Uh, This from Jeff. This was uh, part of a long email that Jeff wrote me, but I want to read the part that I thought was really interesting. He writes, This is the week where we start to hear about the other stuff. Are the quarterbacks smart? Are they good locker room guys, leaders, workers? Kevin, this is also a great start for us to evaluate the evaluators. If they get it wrong on the person then nothing has really changed. That was the major problem during the Dan Snyder era. All of those idiots got it wrong all the time on the other stuff. This pick allows us an immediate answer on Adam Peters and his staff's ability to get the other stuff right. You know, it is a good point in that If they didn't have the number two overall pick and if this wasn't a big-time quarterback draft and there wasn't so much focus on quarterback and so much importance placed on the other stuff when it comes to quarterback in particular, um, we would just be evaluating the draft as a whole. We'd evaluate the first-round pick, of course, but this is such a significant pick for the organization current and future that it will be scrutinized over and over again. And let's face it, you know, Jeff is right. There there were, you know, I mean, we could, and we've done it before, create the top 10 reasons that the Washington Redskins, Washington football team, Washington commanders were the worst organization in professional sports during Dan Snyder's tenure. We've all got, you know, our top 10, and we could probably go top 25. But in terms of the results on the football field, they just got it wrong all the time on the people, especially in some of those high-profile picks. You know, 2012, Robert Griffin III, number two overall. All right, they got it right talent-wise. He had a lot of ability. We saw it play out in his rookie year with, by the way, a very creative and super sharp coaching staff designing something that would allow him immediate success. But, unfortunately, you had self-absorbed, you had immature, and they got it wrong on the person from in, in, a, in a multitude of ways. All due respect to the life uh, and the passing of Dwayne Haskins, I don't think they got it wrong on the talent, I think Dwayne Haskins was extraordinarily talented. But there was an immaturity, for sure, with with Dwayne Haskins. They got it wrong on his ability to come in and adapt to the kind of work and the kind of effort and the kind of studying. Um, And he was very far away from being a seasoned or finished or sophisticated player that was ready to enter the NFL with that kind of scrutiny and that kind of pressure. Again, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins, because everybody always said the sweetest guy, but not ready from a maturity standpoint. I mean, it it wasn't just quarterbacks over the years. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into the Chase Young thing because his story is still developing, but clearly there was there were things there um, in his personality, in his ability to be coached, that at least this last group that was here, the Rivera group, had issues with. But Darius Geis, I mean, come on, there were red flags all over Geis before he came out, which is one of the reasons he was available late in the second round. Sua Cravens, they took in the second round of the draft. Josh Doxson, they took in the first round. I was dead wrong on Doxson. I thought he was a great talent, which he was, but there were other issues there. God, you could just keep going back through the years. They really were not very good when it came to sizing up the people. The best job, really, when you look at some of the players that were picked, were picked you know, by the combination of just Jay and Kyle Smith, um, and then the Shanahan group got it right a few times, but they got it wrong. They all had major misses. But it's a good point in that they're, this very first big move, in the draft, will be such a high-profile pick, and we will learn so much about whether or not they got the person right. Um, and we'll learn that fast. You know, it won't take a long time before we'll know a lot about that. Look, I'm not suggesting that this organization is going to be as loose-lipped as the previous organization was. Certainly, you know, over the last 20 years, they've had – I mean, they, that organization has leaked like a sieve um, to anybody that had any kind of ability to uh, get in touch with the right people or have a relationship with the right people. I hope it's different with this group, but you'll hear things. You'll hear things early on. You'll hear things during the season, and you'll certainly hear after a year or two, you know, what the issues are, if there are any issues. Um, so, yeah, I think that's uh, a smart take, and that this really will give us an immediate opportunity uh, to uh, to see whether or not they get it right. And look, they've talked a lot about that. That's been the answer to everything. It was the answer to everything yesterday with Peters and Quinn with respect to the important part of this indie Combine. This 15-minute you know meet and greet is the first impression of what you get about the actual person and whether or not you have a good feel for the kind of person they are. And that is you know that's an ability that is a skill that's an innate talent to a certain degree as well there's it's a combination of talent and skill to be able to evaluate people experience as well in the interviewing process you know people who have hired lots of people during the course of their life they're going to be better in a 15 minute meet and greet than somebody that hasn't been responsible uh, hasn't had the responsibility of hiring before Um, And a lot of that sometimes is just feel, but a lot of it is experience and skill developed over a long period of time of doing it. Um, Thanks for both of those. Uh, By the way, Mel Kuyper has his latest. So does Bucky Brooks. uh, Mock drafts out. And for you, um, uh, Chuck, uh, they both have Washington taking Jaden Daniels at number two. All right, let's get to it. What do you got?
3: All
2: right, all right, all right. What do you, what do you got? got?
4: 94 feet. Strus from midcourt. Oh! Do you believe this? Last night, uh in the NBA, Cleveland and Dallas uh played in Cleveland. Two pretty good teams and Max Struess, who plays for the Cavaliers. Took uh, a pass in the backcourt with less than three seconds to go, down by a point. P.J. Washington had just given the Mavericks the lead with 2.9 seconds left. And he drilled one from beyond half court at the buzzer to win it for the Cavs. It was a 59-footer officially listed as 59 feet. And I was curious when I saw the highlight this morning of that game um, as to... You know, the longest game-winning shot that we've seen in the three-point era specifically, it's the second longest in the last 25 years, according to ESPN stats and information, to win a game. Um, There was a 61-footer by Devontae Graham uh, in a New Orleans win over Oklahoma City three years ago. So, uh, or two and a half years ago, 59 feet at the buzzer. There was also a college, a Nevada half-court buzzer beater last night uh, as well. By the way, Struess had five threes, including that game winner, in the final four minutes of the game last night. He became just the fourth player in the last 25 years in the NBA to make five three-pointers in the final four minutes of the game um exciting ending in the nba uh one other quick note so we had that ridiculous all-star you know exhibition skills competition but they you know put it in the framework of a game and they kept score with a clock and everything the final score was 211 to 186 and a lot of people were up in arms like this is, <clears throat> this is why the nba is unwatchable they don't guard and true that through the first you know uh, 60% roughly of the season. This has been the highest-scoring season we've seen in a long, long time. Since the All-Star break, Denton, unders in the NBA are hitting at 76%. So since that All-Star game and since all of the conversation about how high-scoring of a league it's been this year, one of the all-time high-scoring seasons, I think it's the highest-scoring season since 1969, In terms of the average total of points per game, Uh, since that All Star game, you know, with probably a lot of bettors saying, well, I'm just betting the over every night. Every game, I'm betting the over. 76% unders since the All Star break. For those of you who don't bet, 76% is an overwhelming percentage of, of one side hitting, in this particular case, the under, over what is now, what, a week and a half, two weeks, something like that since the All-Star game. I did see a game the other night, and it was just jarring to see the score. Uh, I think it was from over the weekend. Um, It was like 87 to to 84. No, here it was, Hornets 93 to 80 was the final score of the game. You just haven't seen – it's almost – it's – this particular season, the winning team pretty much has 100-plus on every single night. Uh, the, Tommy told me this the, the other day, that the team currently that is last in the league in total scoring would have led the league in scoring 20 years ago. So the lowest-scoring team in the league is Memphis. They average 106.5 points per game they would have been the leading scoring team, I think he said, 20 years ago. Something like that. It may have been more recently, actually. Uh, but once they loosened up the hand-checking rule, which was 2004, roughly, the game changed in terms of scoring. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's on a ridiculous pace. And Max Struess, he can really shoot it. Always has, you know, going back to the Miami days and some of the big games that he played with the Heat. Um, and he had five threes in the final four minutes of the game, uh, including the 59 footer at the buzzer to win it. Ended up with 21 points. By the way, the Wizards hosted the Warriors last night. They lost 123 to 112. Uh, Steph Curry, you know, he's the reason you go out to watch the Warriors or you go out to a Wizards game, period. He was 0 for 7 from behind the arc at halftime. Finished four for 16 on threes and ended up with just 18 points. But Clay Thompson, man, has it worked for him, Denton, coming off the bench. 25 off the bench last night for Clay Thompson, who has really uh, been a different player since getting moved uh, to the bench. Um, I think he's averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 21 a game off the bench. Uh, all right, so when we come back, uh, Craig Hoffman's going to join us at 1035, but I want you to hear the Dan Quinn sound from the Junkies this morning. There's also something that he said to them about final say on personnel, but the word association thing was great. You'll hear it uh, in its entirety when we return. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and theteam980.com.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call
4: silenced.
1: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
4: Brock, um, he was hes always
5: composed. He was always like he is now. He's the same guy every day. And really, we... His tape was what really turned us on, and then you meet the person. But um, this is only just a little bit part of the process. But his tape and everything that he did at Iowa State, and how, how well he played, how well he played the position. We really thought that he could really fit in well with our scheme. And, and uh, if we thought he was that good, we probably wouldn't have waited until the last pick. But uh, yeah, we, we liked him that much, and um, now now i got to find a new quarterback. For that position,
4: Peters yesterday, and that was the quote that ended up being the headline from his press conference. There wasn't a lot there from Adam Peters in his presser. He's pretty good at saying very little, um, but that last line, now I got to find a new quarterback, um, was a headline. But in context of the Brock Purdy uh, question, you know, and if I had known, if we had known, we would have drafted him earlier than the final pick. Everybody, you know, rushed to essentially say he just eliminated Sam Howell as a possibility. I actually don't think he did that with that comment. I think it's like, I don't have Brock Purdy here, so I've got to find my new quarterback. But I certainly think that they've more likely than not eliminated Sam Howell as a potential. You know, franchise quarterback. They're going to draft their franchise quarterback. I feel pretty good about that. I'm just not sure that's really what he said in the overall context of those comments yesterday. Um, Craig Hoffman is going to join us from the Indy Combine coming up in about 10 to 12 uh, minutes. And then we'll talk to Jared Dubin from CBS Sports at 11 uh, and get kind of a league perspective of everything that's going on in Indy, plus get his thoughts on Washington. So, um, the I, I opened with what you heard from the Junkies earlier this morning. They had Dan Quinn on the show, and they, they did a really, really good job of getting him to answer some questions in a creative way where I think he was caught off guard a little bit. Uh, they got him to play word association, and you'll hear, it's not like they really even gave him a chance to say, No to playing word association. But we got some thoughts, and he hesitated on some of the answers, but he gave you thoughts on key players uh, both on the roster and off of it. Here's how that conversation went.
2: Coach Quinn, first let me say we really appreciate all the time you're giving us. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to see if you're willing to do a quick word association with us, okay? So just first things that pop into your head when I give it, and you don't have to go long on them. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Explosive. Jonathan Allen. Dominic. Sam Howell. Tough. Drake May.
5: Athletic. Caleb Williams. D.C. Jaden Daniels. Game changer.
4: Uh, by the way, I, I noticed that you did tighten that up, didn't you? Because the answers were, it took him a little bit longer to answer those. That's fine. Um, I'm not sure if you did it or, or whomever cut the sound up, but they tightened up the, the hesitation in between the answer. Like he wasn't that quick in giving his answers. You know, there is some importance to that. He thought about the answers and then gave them. So there was, you know, usually three to four seconds of silence, and then he gave uh, the answers, um, which you know, I, he'd have been real. That would have been even more interesting had he just ripped him off that quickly, right? But the 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 answer that's getting the headline here is Jaden Daniels' game changer. You know, Caleb Williams, DC. That means he's from DC. Uh, Drake May, Athletic. Sam Howell, Tough. Jonathan Allen, Dominant. Terry McLaurin, Explosive. Okay. But Jaden Daniels, game changer, I don't know what that means with respect to um, you know, what they're going to do in the draft. They don't know what they're going to do in the draft right now. Is it possible that they have a favorite, that each of these guys has a favorite? Yes, it is possible. Wouldn't surprise me if Adam Peters and the evaluators in particular have somebody that they're most intrigued with. But... This is the beginning of the process, meaning the indie combine and the fifteen-minute interviews, that really begins to shape how they truly feel about these players. These are the important moments. They they can all evaluate. Guy can make every throw. Guy is unbelievable as a runner. Guy would fit in this offense. Wouldn't fit in that offense. Et cetera. Et cetera. It's what's between the ears. It's what's inside. It's all of that stuff that they don't have the answers on. They've got some answers. Guarantee you they've talked to some people. But they're going to get a feel sitting down with Daniels, May, and Caleb Williams and the others. Um, And that will formalize their views. It will either back up what their initial thoughts are Or will steer them away from what their initial thoughts were. Uh, There may be, you know, a conversation that says game changer. Yes, damn, I wish he had all the other stuff. Or athletic, absolutely, but man, no. Or, you know, somebody down at the bottom that we haven't even heard of. Oh, my God, he blew us away. And the tape really isn't that bad. It may not be Jaden Daniels' tape or Drake May tape or Caleb Williams' tape, but he's got all the other stuff which clearly Brock Purdy had, in addition to some pretty good tape. He played a lot of football at Iowa State. Um, but that was um, that was uh, well done and game-changer. Denton, did you have a reaction to these answers?
5: I'm glad that uh, he recognizes that Jane Daniels is a game-changer. I also uh, was very proud of him for describing Drake May as athletic because traditionally the white quarterback is not described as athletic, so that's a win.
4: I don't know. Steve Young's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the history of the game. Uh, Fran Tarkington wasn't bad either. But um, I I don't know what to take of that. Obviously people are like, well, here's what you can take from that. They recognize that Jaden Daniels at the college level was a game changer because he was he impacted the game like no other player on the field impacted the game when he was on the field. There was something else that Quinn told the Junkies this morning. Um he was asked and I think this was a really interesting answer. He was asked about kind of the decision-making process, you know, and who has final say. You'll hear the setup and you'll hear his answer.
1: But if if you got <laughs> let's say you guys lock in at some point on drafting a quarterback, being a being the head coach, and then with Cliff's experience and with Adam, how much – it like, can you divide up, like, whose opinion matters the most? Does your opinion matter the most? Does Adam's opinion matter the most? Or does Cliff's opinion matter the most? I know it's going to be collaborative. That's an easy one. An easy one. Adam. Adam. Is it? Okay. And, and that's based on what? Putting people in the roles of things they kick ass at.
6: hmm Uh-huh.
1: And so him just like evaluate. So you trust his like player ev- evaluation talent, like more than anybody.
4: Correct. I love the way he handled it. Those answers. Um Putting people in the roles they kick ass at. Uh, and you know, you trust his, uh, yes, correct. You know, we've seen Dan Quinn and including in the press conference yesterday, go on and on with, with long answers to everything. He's very excited about this gig and, I think that should excite everybody that he wa- he wanted it this badly. Um, but he didn't have to think much, and there wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, th- these were one sentence and a one-word answer. Putting people in the roles they kick ass at. So you trust his opinion more than anybody else's. Correct. So what we just got from Adam Quinn, if there was any question, there is a structure here. There's an owner. There's a general manager who has final say over the football operation in the football roster, and then the coach and his staff will coach that roster. Hmm. Let's see if that one works out. Not a bad structure, uh, one that has not been tried here since perhaps the the mid to late 90s. Um, But some good stuff from Dan Quinn uh, earlier with the Junkies. Uh, Game-changer. Indy Combine, big weekend for the evaluation of these players, uh, especially the person, the psychological evaluation, although they won't get super deep into that in 15 minutes, but Craig Hoffman is there and he'll join us next.
5: NBA hoops, Wizards lose to the Warriors last night, 123 to 112. Klay Thompson had twenty-five off the bench to lead the Warriors. Kyle Kuzma led all scores with twenty-seven. It was a revenge game for Jordan Poole, but he only had twelve points off the bench on five of seventeen shooting. In the NHL, the Caps get rocked in Detroit, score 8-3. to three. That is uh, pretty stifling for some of the me- momentum that they had been building over the past few days. And an update on the Cam Newton fight, according to Top Shell Performance, which is the TSP crew, they say Cam Newton started the fight. Okay, if you say so.
3: And that's what's so-
0: Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west.
4: Funding. Craig Hoffman hosts the Craig Hoffman Show right here on the Team 980 from 4 to 7 on weekdays. Uh, And he is with us right now um, from the indie Combine. Look, you've been out there many more times than I have. I, I went out there the first couple of years I was in radio and it was not the big deal that it is now. So what's different about this one, if anything, um, and I'm just thinking about the three quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Does that make it feel different?
6: Um, I do think it's a little bit different. I would say since I've been doing it, the idea that the top quarterback doesn't work out is not new. Um, I feel like, let's see, my first one would have been 2017, I think was the first time I was out here. Um, and you know, top guys didn't really work out. I, you know, there was the year that Baker came out where he had a great senior bowl week. And I think he wound up doing quite a bit of stuff here and kind of solidified his, his number one pick, but that was kind of a weird draft. He was a late riser. Well, the idea that the top quarterbacks don't necessarily, at least, like do the full workout, um, is is not new. You now, these guys doing nothing is is definitely, and three of them is definitely, I think, a little bit different. Um, but it, it follows the trend, and so it's just like a little bit of growth on the year before, which is a little bit of growth on the year before. Um, but I do think the biggest change since I started coming out here, Kevin, is the coach is not coming anymore. Um, and I feel like Sean was the first guy, and Kyle, uh, they were the first two that that didn't really feel the need to be out here. Um, there's an, and, and there's multiple reasons for that, uh, which we can get into if you want. Um, but I think that's the biggest change now is is that a lot of the coaches, may, or maybe even they just come in for media, and then they they dip out.
4: Well, one of the reasons is just the technology allows them to participate without being there in some of these interviews, correct?
6: Right. So everything is on tape. And I think from the the evaluation side, I actually really appreciate the fact that coaches look at it and go, well, why would I try to remember what a guy did you know, an hour ago in the other insert position group here group when I can just put those clips side by side on video. So from a drill standpoint, watching tape to tape, there's more consistency in evaluating the, I would say hole in that is you have a chance to talk to more players out here than you do anywhere else. Like you can go to a bunch of pro days. Sure. But here they all come to you. And so I think for a team like Washington, maybe that's mitigated because your top focus is obviously the the top pick in in the draft number two for you and and the quarterbacks and you'll get your chance to talk to them as a coaching staff somewhere else uh, where maybe it's not as high stress as the combine, um, and, and you're in a little bit more control of the environment, whether it's at their pro day or, or the in-house interviews. But um, all the interviews that they do have will be on tape uh, that the scouting department will conduct. And I think also because Adam Peters is going to be the lead on a lot of that stuff, they want Peters to be able to do that without the coaches in the room, and then the coaches will get their shot later. And all that stuff will be on tape, and obviously all the drills will be on tape as well.
4: Who have they interviewed so far, and who is is scheduled to to, to be interviewed today and tomorrow?
6: Uh, To be honest, I have no idea who their their scheduled interviews are out here. I would imagine they talked to all the quarterbacks. Um, I know that they were planning to, um, and those were scheduled. Um, I had heard that, uh, but other than that, I I honestly don't have any idea who uh, who they're talking to.
4: No worries. Uh, We're talking to Craig Hoffman. He's out at the Indy Combine. So what's the buzz related to the three quarterbacks with Chicago at one? Like right now, you're in the middle of it, plus you're an opinion maker on the air. What's your gut on how the first uh, pick uh, goes overall, what the Bears do with Justin Fields and then into number two?
6: Yeah, I saw Rappaport yesterday, who, shameless plug, is on our show today live uh, sitting three feet from me uh, at 4 o'clock. So uh, we'll we'll get deeper into this with him. But I saw him report on NFL Network yesterday that the the kind of general lean is that the Bears are going to go with Caleb at 1.00. And Ryan Poles actually had probably the most interesting thing so far of any of the media sessions yesterday when he told the Chicago group of reporters that they're going to make a decision here in the next couple of weeks and they want to do right by Justin Fields, which means trading him before the league year and free agency starts. So we should have some clarity on that, that if they trade Justin Fields, it means they're staying at one, they're taking a quarterback, and we would be i think smart to guess that that quarterback is going to be justin or is going to be caleb williams that then obviously leaves may and daniels and i would say opinions are like 80 20 may um from from what i've gathered out here and it feels like it's been swinging back that way i mean just on on my show yesterday the guest that we had I had uh, Nick Bumgardner from The Athletic and Jordan Reed uh, from ESPN both just sing May's praises, say he's the better prospect, he's a better fit. Then Matt Miller sits down from ESPN, and Matt's like, if I could redo my mock draft, uh, his latest one was was right after the Super Bowl before the commanders had hired Cliff. And he said, if I could redo it, I would put Jaden there. I like Jaden better as a prospect, and I think he fits better with what Cliff wants to do as, as an OC. And so I do think that the opinions are a little bit split. And it's kind of funny, too, because... You know, Nick, Nick and I, uh, Bumgardner from The Athletic, had this conversation where I was like, all right, well, here's my issues as an evaluator with Drake May and why I like Jaden better. And he's like, I don't disagree with any of that stuff. I just weigh it differently. And so it really is coming down to Caleb is the top guy. Then you have Jaden and Drake as kind of what flavor of quarterback do you want? And then I think the wild card that will have a lot more clarity on a week from now is McCarthy because he is rising quickly. He is going to have probably test very well. He is scheduled to throw where the top three guys aren't, and he is going to rip the ball all over the field. And, you know, Nick, Nick lives in Ann Arbor, and he's like, look, I've been on this for a while. He's definitely a first-rounder, and he actually has him as QB4, and he said he's closer as QB4 to Daniels as QB3 than Daniels is to May through his evaluation. So opinions are, are, are a bit
4: all over the place. You think it's eighty twenty now, huh? May and that it's—I mean, I, where did that swing back from? What was the uh, overall in terms of the evaluators? I'm not just talking about guys that just do mocks, but the the combo mock evaluators. What, what do you think it, right. it, 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 it's? It's up to eighty twenty on May, in your opinion? From what?
6: It does. It does feel that way, um, and that, that's uh, Kevin. I'm notoriously terrible at math, so let's not get too caught up in the numbers it, it's here. It's it's all right. You've uh, got a, you've got but, a feel. You're talking but, to people. Yeah. I,
4: I think it's been swinging back and forth here for
6: no, a while. I agree. Yeah. I agree, and I and I think that the deeper evaluators get into the tape, the more they like May. Uh, for this, this is the main reason I keep hearing, which is every throw you could possibly want, Drake has it on tape. And so his capability, his upside, is really hard to pass on. He's a good athlete. He's got prototypical size. Yes, there's inconsistency, but he's also young. And I think that is something that, that people are like, well, look, he's only 21, and, like, Jaden's 23. So, you know, if they're kind of close, like, one of one of them's got a lot more runway to get better. And Jaden is, is closer to his ceiling right now. So what could Drake be? and Drake can do all this stuff off-platform. He's got a crazy arm. Um, I, I've, ha- I've heard uh, from multiple people, like, it's a Justin Herbert-level arm. And so I think a lot of NFL, you know, as it, like the coaches get more involved in the scouting process, et cetera. You're seeing more and more NFL people go, that's the clay I want to work with. These guys all have their flaws. They're all raw, but I'd rather have a, a raw 21-year-old Who's, who's pretty close to the raw 23-year-old, where I think the, the 21-year-old is more mold, moldable. And I've seen all the stuff I want to see where Jaden, there is, I think, a little bit more of a projection. And some of that is just the offense, right? Like, they threw a ton outside, which is a, potentially a positive for a guy like Kingsbury, uh, who threw the ball outside a ton in, in Arizona. Um, but there's not as much tape of him succeeding over the middle of the field. And, like, that is a red flag in a lot of modern NFL offenses. So it just kind of, again, it comes down to, like, what are you actually looking for in a quarterback and what, what traits do you value because the raw scores, when you add it all together, aren't that different. Um, but I think that the, the traits that NFL people weigh more heavily, Drake scores better at.
4: Talking to Craig Hoffman um, from Indy, uh, the Indy Combine. Any early word on how these guys are performing in these 15-minute meet-and-greets? This is the beginning of, of you know the important part of the evaluation where they haven't had a chance to sit face-to-face with him. D- is, is there an expectation that one of the three will perform better, one of the three will perform worse, uh, and have you heard anything?
6: I think there's a lot of – actually, the guy you hear the most of – I mean, the interviews have just barely started, so I haven't really heard anything yet. Um, you know, I, I would say probably today as information starts to trickle out and I start talking to people around, around Radio Row and, and in the hallways here today, like I'll probably – like I have a better answer for you tomorrow. Um, but the guy that I think a lot of people expect to knock out this process is McCarthy. Um, I think Drake will Drake will do well. Um, he's he's very charismatic. Like has a great energy about him. Jaden, same thing. A lot of people really like him. Caleb, you know, I think is going to do pretty well in this process. You know, he's he's obviously got a big and, and eccentric personality in some ways. But like some coaches are going to be into that, There are probably others that won't be. And it, geez, all that matters is the right one is really all that matters is uh, that uh, that Chicago does that Ryan polls and 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 the staff there does, but. Everyone seems to think that McCarthy is going to be the guy that just crushes these interviews. That he is very, very impressive when he sits down, when he gets on the board because of the offense that he ran, even though he didn't like they ran the ball a ton. There's only so many throws on tape that he's going to be able to explain, like, this is what I see here. This is how I read this out. And it is going to be very reminiscent of what NFL coaches are used to. So he is probably the guy that I think has the biggest chance to rise on multiple platforms, but the interviews is, is certainly one of them.
4: All right, we're talking to Craig. So what did you make of the Adam Peters comments yesterday, the specific one where he was talking about Brock Purdy and said, you know, now I've got to find a new quarterback?
6: Um, I kind of chuckle, to be honest, Kevin, because it's like, duh. Everyone wants wants to make a big deal out of the fact that the Commanders, a team that hasn't won a football game or didn't win a football game uh, in the final half of the season, uh, might not want to stick with the same quarterback that led them there. And it's like, yeah like i like sam uh you know within reason but they have the number two pick of course they're going to go try to find a quarterback um so i I don't really see it as like some slip or some big deal it's just confirmation of the thing that we all knew and no one had said out loud yet um i I think the more interesting question to be honest is like what do you do with sam and you know is the the kind of rumblings and rumors uh started by the reporting that ralph facciano did for fox that you know there's teams that might be willing to trade a pretty decent asset for sam third fourth rounder especially if it's a third like i think you have to ask yourself what do you want in a backup i mean the it, it's a cute story that drake and sam for instance were college teammates and they could be in the same quarterback room again but like what does what does sam howell really offer you as a backup not nothing he offers you a guy who can come in and win football games um if he's surrounded by the right pieces and um can perform at a high level but uh, for for short stints and hopefully as he continues to develop longer stints. But wouldn't you rather have like a Jacoby Brissett veteran who's seen things and can be more useful in that quarterback room? Or are you kind of relying on David Blau as the assistant quarterback's coach to be that guy along with Tavita Pritchard and Brian Johnson and these other great coaches that you have? So I think that's the question that, that Washington needs to ask around Sam more than like should we give him a shot to be the starter? Um, or like are we okay with him starting – the first four games of the season, if we want our rookie to sit a little bit like that, that to me is the more interesting question. And in some ways it comes down to like, what do you want in your quarterback room? How many do you want to carry? And what are the offers potentially coming in?
4: Do you have a preference on how,
6: um, if there is a third round uh, pick that I could get for him, I would trade him in a heartbeat. And I say that as someone who likes him and thinks he could be a, you know, a high, high, high end backup, low level start, like a Jacoby Brissett level player in this league. Like, I, I think Sam is not that far away from that now, to be honest. But if you can get a fifth round, if you have a fifth round pick, what, two years ago, that you can trade two years into his rookie deal for a third, and you go sign a veteran backup or bring back Bursette or whatever that may be and w- to go with the number two overall pick, that's the future of your franchise. Like, tough business, man. Wish you nothing but, n- nothing but the best. Uh, go, go, Go on and prosper wherever you're going to go.
4: Yeah, I I, um, we Denton and I talked about this. First of all, I would actually be surprised if they got a legitimate, you know, somewhere in the middle of the pack or higher third-round pick. Same. Um, if it was one of those compensatory picks at the end, maybe you know, um, what's his face? Uh, who reported the other day it was that Vachiano guy from yeah. uh, Fox that yeah. it, you know, his sources said a third and maybe more. That's hard for me to believe.
6: I actually, I think agree because it's like all, real quick, Kevin. Like, who's yeah. the team that's doing that? Right? Like I I, I guess if you're if you're Minnesota and you're gonna re sign Kirk, but you're nervous that he might miss the start of the year and that you're gonna be in a playoff fight at the end and you need a guy who can play and help you compete for three weeks to the start of the season and that's worth a third round pick to you, okay. Other than that, I don't know like what the scenario is that someone's gonna give up a third rounder for a backup quarterback. Yeah,
4: I think the other way to look at it too is just that. I know a lot of people are disappointed, not the majority, but a lot of people are disappointed that this fifth round pick didn't turn into and more likely than not is not going to turn into a franchise quarterback. But it's still pretty good that a fifth round quarterback turns into, you know, number 33 to 43, you know, a high level NFL backup quarterback, which you have to have. Uh, in this league, I, I wouldn't part with him uh, unless they really felt like a veteran presence, a veteran presence with enough years. Um, at you know, uh, Brissett's going to be eight to 10 million, maybe even two years. Who knows? We'll see what he gets. Um, but you've got, you mentioned it, you've got Pritchard, you've got Blau, you've got Johnson, you've got Cliff. You know, if you really need veteran presence in the room with your number two overall. Um, then maybe we should question the staff. I, I think Sam should be the backup quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean,
6: it, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and I think that, you know, like, I know I don't want to make too much of an assistant quarterback's coach, but, like, Blau's that guy, right? Like, Blau yeah, actually is the, definitely. is the guy that is in that role because that's what he's been in the league. Like, he is. if, if He you was in a room last him, year. Right. If you watch Hard Knocks and, like, you understand who that guy is when he was in Arizona and Detroit and, like. You know, Cliff joked at his opening press conference that when they got him in in Arizona, that he knew the playbook better than Cliff within two weeks. And like, Cliff's the one who wrote the playbook. Like, that's how smart that guy is. And he was in a room last year, so from like an age and kind of getting along with the guy standpoint, it's going to feel very player to player, even if it's not a guy who's in the locker room. So I'm okay if, because of that reason. Because they built out this staff in that way, like I'm very okay with keeping Sam. It's just that if you get a third rounder, like. Obviously, you trade Sam Howell uh, if you get a third-round pick because you can go get a potential starter on the offensive line. And, like, that's more valuable than a than a backup quarterback if you can go get another backup quarterback. Uh, what else? What else is important out there? What else
4: is upcoming? I mean, we've had the Peters. We've had the Quinn interviews. And we'll start hearing about the interviews with the quarterbacks. I would assume, by the way, they're going to sit and, and, and meet – for 15 minutes with all of the quarterbacks beyond the top three. McCarthy, Penix Jr., Bo Nix, etc right?
6: A hundred percent. So, you know, as, you, as you've kind of been uh, hinting at, and if people don't know, like there's these kind of shotgun style interviews that happen. Some of them are in the morning now, um, or actually just they're all in the morning and kind of middle of the day now because they've moved the workouts at night. They used to be at night, and it was, it was chaos, and, you know, you wind up talking to the scouts when they got done with them at the bars late at night. And they're just like bleary eyed because they just got out of you know uh, three hours worth of interviews, fifteen minutes a piece, and they you know they've talked to twenty guys in a day um, overall. So it's it's those fifteen minute interviews. I would say they're going to meet with you know hopefully you know between the scouts and the GM. They prioritize different guys. Some of the lower level scouts go and meet with some of the lower level, if you will, prospects and in a different area. And so there's going to be a ton of names that they ultimately meet with, which is why you don't want to take too much out of. Oh, the commanders met with this guy. Like, yeah, they're gonna meet with with everyone, do their due diligence, and I, and I think overall, Kevin, like that's that's the the nature of the Josh Harris era is they do their due diligence, they're very thorough, and that's not going to change uh, from the head coach search to a GM search all the way into you know finding the players because they hired people who believe in that same style of process. All right, Craig's back at four
4: live from Indy, and you mentioned that you uh, we're gonna have Ian Rappaport on the show. What yeah, time is he re- on?
6: Rap is uh, basically off the top of the show, four oh five. Uh we also have Charles Davis today, Lance Zerline today. Did we lose him? C- uh Siciliano, got him you got back. me? Got you uh, back, yeah. C- Siciliano is gonna stop by. It's kind of my NFL network day. A lot of the NFL network folks are, are swinging by and then we'll see uh who else who else pops by. Oh, and uh Nikki, uh Javala is gonna sit down as well uh with us here in Indy because of the uh the big FedEx story that she and Maskey broke this this morning. Right. So we'll uh see what that all means with her.
4: Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you. All right. Craig Hoffman, everybody, back uh, at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, up next, Jared Dubin covers the league for CBS Sports. He'll join us when we return. Kevin Sheehan, show the Team 980 and theteam980.com.